but you just want to be with him. I believe he honors that cry. The word of God says, it's one of my favorite verses. Jesus is speaking on the Sermon on the Mount. And he's in the part of the message known as the Beatitudes today. And he says this, he said, Blessed are those which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Listen, you're not going to hunger after God and be left empty. If you want him, if you want to be with him, he wants to be with you. He wants to be with you more than you want to be with him. In fact, this morning, we're going to turn in our Bibles this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to kind of walk through chapters 15 and 16. We're not going to preach every verse. Everybody said thank you. Yeah. But we want to walk through it because we've got some things we believe we need to cover today and need to give you some background. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, and just follow with me. I'll try to cue you as we go. Reading from the New Living Translation says, One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekic nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Now let's skip down to verse 9. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs, everything in fact that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Verse 10 says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. He has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. And verse 13 says, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. He said, may the Lord bless you, he said, I have carried out the Lord's command. Wow. And Samuel says then, what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle, Saul admitted, but they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. And Samuel said to them, him, although you may think little of yourself, or you, you not, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they're all dead. Why have you disobeyed the Lord? Why did you rush to plunder and, and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? Verse 20, Saul says, but I did obey the Lord. Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me and brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep goats and cattle and plunder of sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience 
is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, listen, he has rejected you as king. And in verse 28 it says, And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else. Now we're going to read a little more in 16. Now, but I want to stop and talk about a few things first. First I want to point out it says today. It says today, this day, the Lord has torn the kingdom from you and given it to someone else. But Saul served some 20 more years as king of Israel. If you continue to read straight through, you'll find that in the next, beginning of the next chapter, that Samuel was sent to anoint the son of Jesse, David. And that day, David became king. But it was 20 some odd years before he would serve. Someone needs to know that the, that the declaration can be made years in advance. The consequences of your actions can take sometimes years to come to light. There's sometimes that we think that because the consequences weren't paid right there at that moment that we have gotten away with something. Romans, the book, Paul wrote to the Romans that the wages of sin is death. We live in an age of grace in this church age where God's grace and God's mercy has been poured out by the blood of Jesus and therefore there is, there is sometimes it seems like ample time to repent. That there's ample time but sometimes the decision has already been made. You say, how could that be? We're going to continue to read in just a second. You'll find that God is always reaching, that he's a God of grace, that he's always willing to give one more chance, that he's always willing to offer the, the way of repentance, but he's also an all-knowing um, and all-powerful God that knows the end from the beginning. And the word of God declares back in the book of Genesis that my spirit will not always strive with man. And in Romans chapter 1, he's clear that you, can live, that you can live such a sinful lifestyle and such a rejection of God that he will turn you over to your sin. I want you to be clear already what we've heard in, in, first, in first Samuel chapter 15. I want you to walk away with a few points. If you don't hear anything else I say, I'll give you the bullet points of a few things right here. First of all, that partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is rebellion. Samuel said it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And stubbornness is like rebellion. It says rebellion is like as in the sin of witchcraft. I want you to notice that everything that Saul done was justifiable and sounded great. Oh, so religious. Oh, so ceremonial. Oh, so practical. Did you hear me? Go and destroy all of it. Don't spare anything. That's pretty simple, right? He spares the king and all the best of the land. And when the prophet says, why have you disobeyed? He pulls his clothing down, I can imagine, and stands proudly and says, oh, I've obeyed. But what do I... Can you just, can you just put yourself there a second? You ought to put yourself there when you read. It helps. 
I've obeyed everything the Lord said. Nah. I done it all. It's in there. They said, what's this bleeding of sheep and goats? What's this lowing of cattle I hear? If you've done what you were told, what a, what's the livestock I hear behind you? But I, I can just imagine, well, why in the world would we kill the best cattle in the land? Why in the world would we kill the best sheep? Why in the world would we, why in the world would we spare all that? We, of course, the obvious thing to, to, divide, to default to is God would be proud of me. Now we can sacrifice all this fine cattle to the Lord. Did y'all ever catch it when you read it? To the Lord, your God. <laughs> Boy, it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds great. God stripped his kingdom right then. It says, God regretted. It makes me, reminds me of a few things. Maybe that's apropos for today. Y'all know the background, or most of you probably do, that Israel wanted a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. And that's a problem in the church world today. We want to be like everybody else. We want to be accepted. We want to fit in. We, want, we, want, we don't want people to think bad of us. We want to be mainstream. When God had a different plan... I certainly believe that David was God's man all along, but the people didn't know that. They wanted Saul. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He looked like a king. He was a warrior. Give us Saul. Man, if we have Saul, all the nations of the world will look up to us. They, they might even admire us. They might be jealous. Look at him. He's handsome. He's, he's tall. He's big. He's a warrior. Give us Saul. Give us Saul. They didn't ask God. Oh, somebody hear me. They didn't ask God. They told God. Give us Saul. Man, I see something here that's kind of astounding. It's kind of amazing. It's kind of sobering. Sometimes God will give you what you want. I would say to America and the world, sometimes you get, sometimes you get the leader you need. <laughs> sometimes you get the leader you deserve. Hmm. Give us Saul. Saul was the ways of man. You'll notice when the, when the kingdom was stripped and when he, he the, next, the beginning of chapter 16 starts out and God says, Samuel, God says to, to Samuel, he says, how long will you mourn after Saul? Stop it. Get up. Go down to the house of Jesse and be prepared to anoint a new king, one that I will show you. And by the way, don't look at the way he looks. Listen for what I say. For man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. There was no way that he could have known, nor did he know, that it, when he got there and saw all the sons of Jesse pass by, that the, one, that, that the runt, that the one that was out in the field, that the one that smelled like the sheep, was the one that God wanted for his position. By the way, the shepherd ought to smell like the sheep. Today, the kingdom is stripped. When God's speaking, God gives us His word. God gives us His way. And He gives us direction. We pray for it. And we don't understand it. So we do what seems reasonable. God gives us a direction. We know in our knower. We spirit to spirit. We know we've heard from God. And God is saying, do this. But this doesn't make sense when this is so obvious. And we do, or maybe we do 99% of this and then just do that. What does God call that? He calls it rebellion. And compares it to witchcraft. Church. 
We have to get back to the ways of God. We have to get back to walking by His Word. We have to get back by hearing by His Spirit. We cannot be concerned about whether the world loves us and whether the world looks at us, whether the world admires us. But I want us to look in chapter 16. You know the story, all the sons of Jesse have passed by and God said, no, 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 no. And Samuel says, is there another son? He said, oh yeah, but he's out with the sheep. He's not the one you want. Go get him. And he brings him to him and the Lord says, that's him anointing as king. And in chapter 16 verse 13 it said so David stood there among his brothers and Samuel took a flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil and the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David from that day on and Samuel returned to Ramah now listen I'm getting to the meat of where I want to go in verse 11 it says now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear now I want you to grab something here and that is that the spirit of the Lord had left Saul there's some that would have you believe today that God doesn't leave you There's some that would have you today that believe today that no matter what you do, that God is with you. That's not scriptural. Say, well, brother, but pastor, pastor, the word says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yes, it does. But you can leave and forsake him. And when you forsake him, it says his spirit departed from Saul. Say, well, that's old, old covenant. I'll remind you that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll remind you that I'm the Lord your God, and I change not. Some from Saul's servants said to him, verse 15, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, and he will play a soothing music, and you will be well soon. Some of you are struggling over a tormenting spirit from God. That must be a misprint. That must be, I, I must not understand it. That must not be right. How could a tormenting spirit, an evil spirit, be from God? I don't, time would, time would not permit me, but I could take you to the Chronicles and I could take you to 1 Kings and I can read to you where God called an assembly one day of all the hosts of heaven. And it says that when all the hosts of heaven came, that Lucifer and all the fallen were with him. Oh, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a deep read, it's a, it's a, but it's, it's right there in black and white. I want you to remind you that Satan was and is an angel. Not was and is. He's fallen, but he's still a created being. He's still, he's still an angelic being. And the third of the angels that threw in their lot with him are still angelic as well. And they're still at the command of God. You're going to find all through the Word of God where all the heavenly hosts were called to the assemblies of heaven. The most familiar you're going to be is in Job chapter 1 when, when God says to, to, says to Satan, he said, where have you been? He says, it clearly states that Satan has walked in to the throne room of God. Where have you been? Oh, I've been searching all throughout the whole earth. He said, well, have you considered my servant Job? It happened twice. And I'll refer you to Revelation chapter 12 and you'll find out that Satan is not cast out of heaven until after the millennial reign. Until, until, until death is defeated. It's the last thing. 
I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. But the word is clear that the enemy still has access to the throne. And in that time, in, in Chronicles and the Kings, it was talking about Ahab and Jezebel. And it said, who will go and destroy Ahab? Who will go and lie? Who will go and convince him to go down to the place where I'm going to destroy him? God is speaking. And it says, a lying spirit, an evil spirit, said to God, I will go. And God said to the lying spirit, he said, you will go and you will be successful. Oh, I'm teaching somebody something. See, when the spirit of God had left Saul, he was wide open to the fallen. And I'm going to remind you that you can't, and, and we're trying to understand infinite things with a finite mind, but I'll remind you and you need to know that God still has all power. Somebody say all power in his hand. Make no mistake about it, that everything either across, everything in this world crosses his desk. It's either by his design or by his permission. An evil spirit was sent from God to Saul that tormented him. And it says his, his helpers, his, his assistants, his advisors said, we'll send for someone to play. Man, there's enough to, to, to teach for weeks in these two chapters. They understood, listen to me, they understood the power of music. They understood the power of song. They understood the power of worship. They understood it. Somebody stay with me. In verse 17 it says, All right, Saul said, Find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war. He has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. And Saul sent a messenger to Jesse to say, send me your son David the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with, listen to me. He sent David along with a young goat and a donkey loaded with bread and a wineskin full of wine. That's so important. I can almost promise you, you've never heard it before in your life. Right there written in the word of God, plain black and white, that it's been there the whole time. I can almost promise you that not one person in this room has ever heard what we're about to see. I've been 47 years, I think, and under the best teaching in the world, and I was reading one day and the Holy Spirit illuminated it. He'll do that. He'll, he'll open up his word to you. He will show you divine mysteries. I'm not talking about goofy stuff. I'm talking about written right where it's right in front of you. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with the bread and the wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. And Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. And when the word was sent to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. And verse 23 said, And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better. <laughs> Saul would feel better. Listen, Saul wasn't better. Hello? Saul wasn't better, but he felt better. And the tormenting spirit would go away. We read in a nutshell years of history played out the reasons why inside of what happened how Saul got there how Saul fell David's anointing and clear understanding that 
your religious exercises, your sacrifices are nothing to God if you're not obedient to what He asks you to do. They mean, it means nothing to you. It means nothing to Him. Somebody hear me. Hear me clearly. Your, religi your religious exercises and your, and your, it doesn't mean a thing to God if you're not obedient to His Word. calls it witchcraft but then we start to see a beautiful typology start to unfold we have a man rejected of God we have a man that's tormented and depressed we have a man that when he gets alone with his own thoughts that the torment comes I doubt there's a person in this room that cannot relate to that at some point in your life when you're alone with your own thoughts. What do I do? There's a beautiful plea here. There's a beautiful typology. There's, there's a beautiful promise that tells you the character of this God that we serve. You see this fallen king who's in a state of depression and in a state of torment because he's being oppressed at this point of devils, demons. At a later place, I believe, he fell into possession. At this point, it's oppression. It's 11.35. I think I need to touch on that a second. Because there's some of you that would believe that demonic spirits are not at work in this world anymore that we think that I see things like Christians they'll ask well do you believe in ghosts and y'all say no well let's think about that a second ghost I think it's the word that trips us up ghost you know King James says holy ghost somebody get with me here a sec you, we were going old school, and we were going to pull out our the, if we were going to pull out our King James, which I'm a King James guy. You'd see interchangeably, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Lord, when I was growing up, when somebody said they got the Holy Spirit, we didn't think they got what they needed because they needed the Holy Ghost, right? Spirit and Ghost, interchangeable word. Do you believe in ghosts? No. But do you believe in spirits? Well, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> and we got a generation that's playing in the spiritual. And it's not the Holy Spiritual. The church is bought a lie that this generation doesn't want the things of God. They don't want spiritual things. Whenever if you look, they're crying out for the spiritual everywhere you look. They're involved in, in the demonic. They're involved in, I could go down a list. They're into fortune telling. They're into astrology. They're into the, the living dead. They're in, uh. Oh, I could go worse than that. I could, man, you start messing with people's idols, though. They won't listen to you. I'll let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Start dealing in vampires and werewolves and things that are straight from the pit of hell. And it's not entertainment. It's spiritual. You cannot mess with the demons of hell and leave unaffected. I'm sorry. But somebody needs to tell you. And they thought the answer was worship. Oh, man. Boy, we're getting down to the brass tacks. We're, gonna, we're shaking cages. They thought the answer was worship. I'm going to stand here and tell you straight out this morning that the church world in America today thinks the answer is worship. 
I'm glad you wouldn't stand in because half of you had just passed out. I want you all to listen very, very carefully for the next few moments. Worship is God-ordained. Worship is in God's plan. He even said it like this. He said, the time has come and now is. The time is coming and now is. When they that worship him shall worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such. Does it say that? Read it carefully. It never says that the Father is seeking worship. It says that the Father is seeking worshipers. Worship is the byproduct. Worship is the result of a worshiper. But no matter how God-ordained it is, it's not the answer. Church, it's not the answer. And right now, every single one of you, the context here is David come to play and sing. The Bible calls him the sweet singer of Israel. David was a singer. David was a worshiper. But music and worship do not always equate to the same. There's way more ways to worship than there is just what this team does. It's certainly part of it. But I want you to recognize a few things. For one thing, a fallen king and his fallen advisors knew the power of music. The church should learn the power of music too. Uh-oh. Hey, I, I'm not going back to the 80s. We're not having an album burning and a CD crushing and we'd have to smash your iPhone and that gets too expensive. It's not what we're talking about here. But I will tell you that there's, not, there's never been a melody put together. Somebody hear me. There's never been three notes put together that formed a melody or a harmony that wasn't spiritual. And it's not all wholly spiritual. I'll even tell you that a huge percentage, I would give you a percentage, but it'd be made up. I could say 75% of what's on the Christian market today has nothing to do with the God they claim to worship. But I, I don't know that, do you know that 95% of statistics that are quoted are made up on the spot? Hey, I'm hearing things sung that could be sung to their lover. To their boyfriend, to their girlfriend, to their spouse. And put on a, on a quote-unquote church stage with a quote-unquote worship team and claiming that it's worshiping God when you can't find anything about God in it. Uh-oh. It's getting serious now. It is. Truth's true even when you don't like it. Contrary to the age we live in, there's not your truth and my truth. There's the truth. I read the other day where they were wanting to take down a statue of Abraham Lincoln in Boston with the emancipated slave, one of the, 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 the famous statue of, of honoring Abraham Lincoln for ending the, the scourge, the horror of slavery. And they want to tear it down. And they ask, why would you tear down a, 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 honoring the man who, who, set, who set the things right? And they said, well, the slave is below him, so to me it means that we're still beneath his feet. Well, hold on a second. I'm, hey, I'm... 
Listen, I have found out in this day and age, I'm sorry, or actually I'm not sorry, I don't care anymore. There's no way to be apolitical and still preach truth. It's not possible. There may have been a time it was, but it's no longer possible. To me, it means that, well, it doesn't matter what it means to you. That's not what it is. Y'all are not getting that. There's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. If, we're gonna, if that's going to be the standard, then everything we do in this life could be, well, this is what they said, and this is what it was done for, but to me, it means this. And it doesn't matter what the this is. If there's not truth, then we are in a mess. Somebody ought to agree with that. What are you preaching about this morning? Are you, are you harping on music? Are you harping on politics? Are you, no, I'm talking about a man who rejected God and thought that the answer was worship. When in a beautiful picture, Saul's been rejected, David has been anointed. The process has already begun, and David's going to be king. That was never going to change. But Saul didn't have to die, uh, didn't have to die a demon-possessed man lost. He didn't have to. In beautiful typology, this man that has distress, that's being tormented by demons, that is being, that is being oppressed from the outside, says, he says, you need someone to lead you in worship. Okay, find me someone. And it says, listen to me, David has always been a type of Christ all through theology and Christendom. And listen to what's being said. He said, we know a guy who plays well and he has the right spirit and God is with him. He says, go get him. I need him. I need him. Send him to me. And David, this type of Christ, this king, asked his father for the answer. He sent to Jesse. He said, send me the answer. Send me what I need. Send me what will change my situation. And it says that Jesse sent the chosen son. He sent David. Now listen to me. Here's what you, you've probably never seen it. Never heard it preached. It says Jesse took a donkey and loaded it down with bread, with wine, and a young goat. I'm going to tell you that the, everything that Saul needed come rocking into the city on the back of a donkey. Oh, it doesn't take a scholar to recognize that centuries later, that everything that the world needed came walking into Jerusalem that day on the back of a donkey. Listen, he sent bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. His bread represented the word of the living God. It, sent a, it said a wineskin full of wine, and Ephesians chapter 2 talks about the wine and the power of the Holy Spirit. And on the back of that donkey, because of the time they lived in under the covenant they were under, was a young goat. The Father sent the Word and His Spirit and the sacrifice. Everything that Saul needed was on the back of that donkey. And he just wanted David to sing.
Did you hear it? He just wanted David to sing. All over this country, people are running into our churches looking for the best worship team, looking for the best musicians, looking, they're coming in lost, they're coming in oppressed, they're coming in bound, they're coming in under the burden of sin, they're coming in and, and they just want to hear us sing. When they come in, we have everything that they need to be delivered. We have the Word of God, the bread of life. We have the, the wine of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have, they can point them to the cross, to where the sacrifice was made. Where they can be saved, set free, delivered, and, and, and free from all of their oppression. Saul didn't want the answer. He wanted David's worship. He could have been, he could have changed his situation. He could have been set free from the torment for eternity. He could, have, he could have left this world right with God because of the sacrifice, because of the word, and because of the power of the Holy Ghost. But instead, just sing to me. All over this country, people are walking in our doors. They're having an emotional experience in our singing. And they're, and they're, and they're feeding off of the saints and their worship. And they're, and they're having an emotional spirit that calms their demons for just a few moments. And they leave without the word. They leave without the power of the spirit. They leave without the sacrifice. And they walk out those doors only for their demons to return. It's not good enough. It's no wonder to me that the greatest lie that the enemy has ever perpetrated on this church is to worship, worship. Y'all didn't hear it or you didn't like it. It's the greatest lie that's ever been told. And we've bought it hook. Line and sinker. So what does it require? I can tell you what it requires. It requires first repentance in the church. God help us. I told you from the beginning, there, ain't, there is no one that loves powerful, anointed singing and music more than this pastor. No one. But the command isn't to sing the song, it's to preach the word. Yes. Even under the old covenant, when the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen, when they got it, it had Aaron's rod that budded, that was the miraculous power of God. It had a pot of manna that was the miraculous provision of God. And it had the stone tablets that God put the Ten Commandments on that was the Word of God. And when they got it back, all the manna was gone, the rod was gone, but the tablets were still there because even then they didn't see the value of the Word. But why was the Word still in the Ark and the presence still there? Because the Word was still enough listen the word is still enough but thank God he's given us the word he's given us the spirit and he's already paid the price nobody has to walk in the door and leave the way they came lead them to the cross and preach the word we're unbalanced We're uncaring, rebellious, and disobedient if we think that our worship is enough. Because see, he says the time is coming and now is when they that worship me must, somebody say must, worship me in spirit and in truth. Did you catch something? 
Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 1 declares that, I, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Truth and Word are the same, and they're Jesus. And he says, they must worship me in spirit. My spirit to his spirit by the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing what? On that donkey was the word and the spirit. He had the ingredients for proper worship and he had the blood for the sacrifice. The time is coming and now is when they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such. There is no way to... Pro you can sing the best song in the world, but if you don't have spirit and you don't have truth, it's empty. It may calm your demons, it may soothe your soul, but you'll die without God. We may be able to pack out concert arenas. We may be able to set, have 44.7 million hits per song on YouTube. We may have every radio station in the country playing our music, but if it doesn't have word and it doesn't have truth, it does no good. It does no good. Saul had the answer sent to him by the father of David. Everything he ever needed. And he rejected it. You go from Saul loving David. Until the day that the people wanted David more than they wanted Saul. And it all turned. David was no longer the psalmist, the singer, the musician that soothed Saul's demons. He was the enemy. Listen. You can run. To, people will run to the church over and over and over. But when there's no answer given and accepted, the one they run to will eventually become their enemy. People's hearts will be hardened. And they'll find, see, then that when they find just temporary reprieve and no permanent respite, then they give up on the things of God, and then the church becomes the enemy. The ministry becomes the enemy, the word becomes the enemy. Church, we have the answer. Church, we have the answer. You say, preacher, why do you preach the things you do? Why do you preach? Why, why, do, why can't you just give us the raw, raw speech and, speech and make us feel good about ourselves? And why do you challenge us? And why? Because there's a whole world surrounded by us that's just being soothed temporarily. Like topical ointment on a rash. That makes the itch stop, but the source is still there. <laughs> See, that's kind of gross. You understood it. Church, it doesn't matter if we ever have the best worship team in the, in the world. We got a great one, and I love it. It doesn't matter if we ever fill this place up, need two services, and to build again. If we don't give them the answer. If we don't say, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. God would rather have you obey Him than to observe religious occasions. And you can love our music and we want to sing the songs of Zion and lead you into the very presence of God. But if you don't accept the sacrifice, you're going to leave worse off than you came in. Oh, you may have felt good for a while. You may have cried hot tears. But if you don't surrender to the King, 
make no mistake, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But it matters which side of death or which side of rapture that that happens. It matters. It's a far cry better to bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ voluntarily. than to have to. Stand with me all across this place. As Brandon begins to sing. I believe we've heard from the Word of God today. I believe we've heard from the throne. There's a constant call going out to this church and to the body of Christ to be called back to the Word and to the power of God and to quit playing around the edges and dabbling in the superficial but to surrender to the King of Kings. Father, we love you today. Lord, I believe we've delivered our heart and your heart. Lord, I believe today that we've, that we've been obedient to your spirit and to your word. Lord, today I call on the spirit of heaven to deal and touch in lives even now that you would draw people to the cross through the word of God. Lord, that our, that our appointment today would be true worship where the word and the spirit have came forth. Lord, the price has already been paid. It's not a matter of payment. It's a matter of receiving and surrender. Lord, move in your people today. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.